Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We are full-time SLPs in the trenches. I'm Sarah Lockhart. And I'm Sari Wu. These are honest conversations, and we hope they're helpful, fun, and make your work and home life more manageable. Up this episode, we talk about friend divorce. What is it and how it can mess with your happiness and what to do about it. Yep. And we also introduce a new self-care segment and talk about how we manage packing food for a long work day and about nourishment via food as self-care. We also share a lazy lesson that'll help you gain some motivation for those pesky R kiddos. <laughs> R. That's right. I've got a few tips actually to help with the motivation for the R students. But first, let's chat about our lazy lesson segment. We're calling the segment lazy lessons in a tongue-in-cheek way, but what we're really talking about is efficient lessons. We strongly believe that you don't need Pinterest-worthy crafts or complicated lessons to teach learners, and that's why we share this segment. We are reclaiming the lazy lesson phrase because we think that having a lazy lesson is actually often an effective and efficient way to use your time. Maybe you won't use a picture of your work day and put it on Instagram because it's not pretty or perfect, but we've got plenty of those already up on the internet. So... The internet will survive without you. Anyway, if you want to join in, use the hashtag SLPLazyLesson on social media. We would love to see it. Yes, whether you work with children or adults, and please share. That said, I'm making a generalization here um, that there's not as much pressure, I feel like, sometimes to keep things cute or adorable or to spend hours on lessons in adult settings, at least when I've been in those settings. Um, It's all about functional use of skills there. Yep, I don't know really any crafts uh, that I would do and post on Pinterest with my adult patients. Everything is so practical and day-to-day, but you know what? We need more Pinterest adult lessons. I've worked with some adults who have just as much need of engaging materials and games as the kiddos. I don't know if we need more Pinterest things on, <laughs> in our profession, but I guess as long as they aren't gorgeous and they are functional and they're not about how the activity looks right. and they're about the function I'm on board. So that's what I don't love about some of those Pinterest type pediatric mm-hmm. SLP activities. It just sets the bar so high that I feel like it makes most of us, like me, uh, feel like our simple activities aren't good enough. And our simple activities totally are good enough. Agreed. So let's move on to our lazy lesson of the day. Uh, Sarah, working with our students can take a long time and motivation can be such a struggle. Please share what works for you with these students. So I've worked with many, many R students, so students working on the R sound who are at the sentence level or beyond, aren't very motivated and aren't really making progress. I think every pediatric SLP either has had a student like that or currently has a student or several students like that. So I think we can all nearly relate. I know I can. Mm -hmm. Those students are tricky because you wonder 
if you know as the SLP you're doing something wrong but ultimately clients who don't try don't make progress right mm-hmm. so uh, today it's two tips so the first tip is to start a speech session journal you don't need a physical journal you can just you know take out a sheet of paper and your student will write from a prompt I, I create the prompts and I'll give you some examples here at the start and end of each session. The idea is to increase motivation and mindfulness to get Mm. learners to be in the moment and increase their motivation to meet their goal. So here are some example prompts for the beginning of the session. They could write, my goal is to get blank percent accuracy in blank, like sentences or reading. And I can do this by blank. So they could say like lifting up the back of my tongue or highlighting the R sounds in the reading passage. So you set the accuracy in the activity and you let them know, um, but make sure it's doable if the learner is focused. Don't set it too high. So here's an example. My goal for today is to get 90% accuracy in sentences and I can use this by using my bunched tongue. Here's another example of a prompt you could write at the beginning of a session or the student could write at the beginning of the session. My goal for today is to get 70% accuracy in reading, and I can do this by lifting my tongue tip up and circling all the R sounds in the reading passage. And here's one more. My goal for today is to get 80% accuracy in conversation, and I can do this by tapping out each word on my knee to slow down and thinking about my R sounds before they come. I think those are great ideas, and it really makes them take ownership. Mm-hmm. And here's the prompt at the end. They would write, I did or I did not meet my goal of blank, and they would write their goal today by blank. So mm-hmm. let's do some positive examples. They could say, I did meet my goal today of getting 90% of R's in sentences, and I did this by using my bunched tongue. Here's another one. I got 70% accuracy in reading today by underlining the R sounds in the reading passage and lifting up my tongue tip. So here's a last example of something they could journal at the end of the session. I met my goal of 80% of R's correct in conversation by tapping out each word on my knee to slow my rate. The idea here is to check in with your intention, your targeted objective at the start and end of each session. This journaling thing usually works and it works well. Of course, there are some students who need to take time off from speech who really, truly aren't making progress. I mean, you could jump up and down or stand on your head singing Justin Bieber lyrics (laughs) and they still would not work with you or be motivated. So do what you can. But this journaling at the start and at the end helps learners be responsible for their behavior and their learning during speech. And it gives them a chance to reflect on what they're learning and set intentions and goals and reflect on those. It really is a mindfulness activity disguised as a speech therapy activity. And I, I have found it very effective. You know, if you're extra ambitious, you could even have your older students take their own data on whether or not they got it and graph it out in their logs. Sometimes that can help motivate too. And since we're talking about lazy, I mean efficient lessons, you won't even need to take data because the kiddos will be taking it for you. With your supervision and input, of course. That is a great idea. I, I do need to get my learners more involved in taking their own data. So I'm just used to taking it. I, I do it <laughs> automatically. I don't even think about having them do it. So um, now there's a second SLP lazy lesson tip for the R clients. So this is a two-for-one deal today. Um, Sari, are you interested in this? Oh, second? yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd listen to 10 lazy lesson tips for the R sound. What's next? So the second part of this is all about the candy. Mm. So 
Did you know tons of candies have the R in them? So Starburst, the Oreo candy bar, which is apparently good, but I am not going to try that. Uh, Hershey's, Orbit Gum, Snickers, Mars Bars, Rollos, Junior Mints. I could go on and Wow, there is a lot. I don't think I realized that before. (laughs) Uh, Me neither. And an SLP friend noted that she uses candy for those hard-to-reach kids. Mm. And I, you know, do I want to use candy in therapy? No. Or prizes in therapy? No. Uh, But once in a while, this one is my last resort. Well, we are all about doing what works here. So if uh, you say it works, go for it. And if it works for you, go for it. Yeah. So with these students, we'll draw a Venn diagram and have a different candy on each end. So they'll compare Mm. and contrast the two candies and how they're the same and how they're different. And then after they do that, they turn the paper over and write a paragraph on the back. So there really is no lesson planning for this. You just need a piece of paper and some candy. And then they read me what they've worked on on both sides using their good R sounds. And they get one small piece of candy at the end. So that's about 20 minutes of, you know, pretty intensive R work for Mm -hmm. one bite of candy. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, sort of okay with it. Maybe get those mini bars if you uh, don't want to buy the big candy bars, like in the candy bags. So you're limiting the sugar intake. Kids will certainly work for those extra sweets. Yeah, I have the full size and just reusable bags because I don't want to have a lot of trash waste. But ultimately, if you have a really, really hard to reach client and you feel like you've tried everything and, you know, you've already tried the standing on your head singing Justin Bieber thing. (laughs) So you can try the candy trick and um, let us know you used it on social media using the hashtag SLP happy hour or hashtag SLP lazy lesson. And share other ideas that you have for Lazy Lesson R, too. Ours are tricky. And, you know, I'm still a newbie, and I'm still figuring out what works best for my style as an SLP. So I'd appreciate all the tips I can get. But speaking of things that are tricky, today we'll be introducing a new self-care segment. We're going to talk about food and what it has to do with self-care. And we're going to discuss the tricky situation of dealing with a friend divorce. But first up, an ad break. So you know, on this podcast, we are all about helping you make your life calmer and more productive. Well, we've got a few things for you that will simplify your work life. Both of our sponsors aim to do that, and we'll share those with you today. Sarah, do you ever feel overwhelmed by keeping up with the research? Sometimes it is time consuming. And as speech language pathologists, we depend on good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence based practice, but how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles is time consuming. And as SLPs, we don't have much time. So it's nice to have help wading through the research. One thing that's helped me, my membership to the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP is an advertiser on this podcast, but I pay for my membership with my own money because it is so helpful. So let the Informed SLP help you by doing the research for you too. They search all of the top speech language pathology journals each month, looking for articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. 
you can join the Informed SLP at www.theinformedslp.com. Again, that's www.theinformedslp.com. You'll get 50% off of your first three months and then the regular price after that. With the code SLP Happy Hour, no spaces, all lowercase. And you can cancel at any time. And our second sponsor is SLP Now. SLP Now is the no stress membership designed to help SLPs like you plan effective therapy and manage their caseload with less stress than ever before. You log in, search by targeted objective or month or theme, and print out materials for your learners and go. It's that easy. Instead of going onto websites where you buy items individually, for one monthly price, you can get access to all the materials you need for your learners. That saves time and hassle. I've been a member for almost two years, and I do feel clear-headed knowing my lesson planning is quick and effective. Joining SLP Now organizes your SLP lesson plan life so you can move on to doing what you got into this profession for, seeing your students. And if that sounds right up your alley, the best part is, if you are an SLP Happy Hour listener, you can get a free trial at slpnow.com happy. Again, that's slpnow.com slash h-a-p-p-y. We're back. Thank you for supporting the businesses that keep the lights on here at the SLP Happy Hour Studio so we can continue to pay our bills and keep this podcast going. We're thankful for our sponsors. Now back to the show and a brand new segment. We've talked about this on the podcast before, about how the term self-care can be fraught for a lot of people with preconceived and sometimes unhelpful notions of what self-care is. So we are just talking today about what feels good now. This is a brand new segment and I am so ready for it. So this is just a brainstorm, a free association. We write down moments of our day where we're mindful or feeling good. So I'm up first. So here you go. Smelling the mountain air. The wildflowers in the mountains when I'm hiking. My morning coffee. Reading fiction and talking to my family on the phone. Those all feel really good right now. Hmm. Okay, here I go. Listening to wind chimes, napping in the hammock, sleeping under stars, savoring outdoor silence, and floating down a stream. I feel so relaxed now. <laughs> Don't fall asleep on me. <laughs> okay, okay, no, no, no. But I am feeling super zen now. So if you're listening and you want uh, to do a What Feels Good da- Now on your own, try during your morning chill time or if you do it on social media, tag us. And now we have a physical and mental health segment and we are talking about an issue we've both been chatting about lately and that is how what you eat is a form of self-care. Ever run around all day eating nothing but snacks and power bars? I'm betting you've done it. 
and it made you feel terrible because we've all done it. Right. We know it feels terrible because we've done it, right? So that's the truth. Or for me, if I accomplish something, I will reward myself with sugar, and it's such a bad habit. Mm. Um, So anyway, I always feel icky afterwards. So eating healthy is, to me, a surprising way to take good care of ourselves, and it really makes a bigger difference than I think we imagine it will. So this segment is going to be about how a part of self-care is nourishing ourselves with good healthy food and how much that can impact our well-being and we'll also share what we pack for food for the workday mm-hmm. and as a warning if you are triggered by conversation about eating or food we wish you the best for your continued wellness and go ahead and fast forward this segment and we'll see you in the next segment so i know this is a weakness for me So I do try not to buy snacks that I'll regret eating. Um, But the problem comes when someone gives it to me because I always cave. I love, love, love ice cream. And if I use a sweet treat as a reward, ice cream will be it. Dan, my husband, has even realized that about me and will even now sometimes offer it as a bribe to go with him into town or something. Um, So (laughs) I definitely do this. Do you keep ice cream in the house? No. Oh, on purpose. On purpose, yeah, because I will just eat it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Sarah, is nourishing food important to you, and how do you do it? Do you pack the night before? Yeah, I think one big issue with SLPs is, especially if you work a school schedule, your days start so early that food prep is essential. You don't have time, much time at all in the morning. So Mm -hmm. for me, that means making breakfast, lunch, and snacks the night before uh, if I'm working a school contract. And I do that for my private practice days too. So on days when I forget to do this, I'll just grab what's convenient and I end up feeling pretty icky all day. So eating healthy meals and snacks all day really does make me feel better. But I only plan ahead like maybe half the time. So I am really struggling with this. So, Sari, do you pack the night before? Yes, uh, we pack lunch the night before, and it definitely helps save some time and peace of mind. I've always done this, um, but my husband Dan just started this year, and he feels a lot better. He used to eat out every day. So let's talk about how we do it. So of course, you know, we're not food experts, but I thought it would just be nice to share what we do because I'm always curious what other people do Mm -hmm. um, in case it gives other people ideas. So for me, here's an example of what I might pack or make the day before. So I often make green smoothies the night before. So my favorite recipe is one banana, small handful of berries, less than one half cup of liquid like almond milk or cashew milk, a dab of peanut butter or another nut butter, a tablespoon or so of chia or hemp seeds, and a big, big handful of greens, and then a quarter cup of yogurt. So I feel like, you know, that's a ton of ingredients there, and it's like my everything but the kitchen sink smoothie, but it really is my go-to smoothie, and I try other recipes and always just come back to this one. So, oh, and I sometimes add probiotic powder because it's helping with digestion. That sounds delicious and nutritious. Yeah, and it's it's good, and it's it, it makes you feel good when you drink it, right? So, I mean, mm. I really love to eat, which is why we're doing this segment, and I wanted to do this segment. So, another thing I make the night before is overnight oats, and you can look up recipes online, but it's just oats. You put some nut milk or cow's milk and a bunch of other random yummy stuff in it. You put it in the fridge overnight, and in the morning, the um, oats plump up. So, mm. it's kind of 
like a regular oatmeal that's cooked. So um, you can try different combinations, like the next morning put like cherries and chocolate chips on it or raisins and walnuts or bananas and chocolate chips, whatever you want, and it's really versatile. So I also make a chia seed pudding the night before. So Sarah, you saw me eating that today, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. what'd you think of it? Oh, it looked delicious. It okay. looked great. Okay, have you used chia seeds before? No, and I haven't heard of overnight oats. Is it just regular oats? Where do you buy them? Yeah, regular oats from the bulk bin, okay. and I get chia seeds from the bulk bin, but it's also um, down the baking aisle you can get um, those. So chia seed pudding, which you do make the night before, the general loose recipe is one cup of nut milk. And so I have a high-powered blender, so I do a tablespoon of cashews in the blender with a cup of water, and I turn the blender on, and that makes cashew milk. So unlike almond milk you have to strain it you don't need to strain Mm -hmm. it's done so I add in some vanilla cinnamon a bit of maple syrup and it's three tablespoons chia seeds to one cup cashew milk Um, and I make a double batch so and then you set it in the bowl on the counter and I stir it every five minutes or so for a half an hour and the chia seeds just absorb all the moisture and it turns into a pudding so Mm. I usually make two servings at once so I have two breakfasts and I'll do like other kitchen chores between the stirring, like I'll empty the dishwasher and just stir it when I think about it. And then in the morning, I add like a half cup or a cup of berries. And if you want to be really fancy, maybe a tablespoon of granola or coconut or a little bit of cacao nibs. Yum, yum. And that's just your breakfasts. My my breakfasts are so on the go during the work week. It's usually just a granola bar. Um, but I do prep my lunches ahead of time, but usually not my breakfast. Yeah, for lunch I go through phases, and right now I'm making a veggie sandwich with like hummus, cheese, avocado, and Mm. then like lettuce sprouts, peppers, shredded carrots, or you know whatever's in the fridge. And salads are good, but I don't know. I I don't always feel full after I (laughs) eat a salad. So right now, just veggie sandwiches are my favorite, and the avocado and the hummus and the cheese makes it feel meatier. To use the ill-chosen word for the vegetarian sandwich, right? (laughs) So for the past several weeks, it's all I eat for lunch, and I've been eating that every day. And then um, I, you know, when I get bored of that, I'll do something else. So how about you, Sari? What's your lunch? Oh, man, I am the queen of monotonous lunches, and it is always a salad for me. (laughs) Usually uh, we put chicken on the top that we've cooked earlier in the week, and, you know, we'll cook a bunch of chicken breasts, and then we'll just slice them up and put them on top, both my husband and I. Or it'll be something that we bought at the store if we didn't have time to cook the chicken on our own. And I literally ate that chicken salad for all but maybe, like, I don't know, like 10 days this school year. I love salads, and I feel guilt-free at the end of the day when it comes to checking if I've eaten anything green and leafy when I get home. Um... So, and, and, you know, I'll put other things on top, usually other stuff that I have in the fridge, tomatoes, carrots, avocados sometimes. And um, I also, we usually pack something else with the salad, like a bag of carrots or some chopped up fruit for a snack, maybe a bag of nuts or a fruit leather, which is a guilty pleasure of mine if I need something else. Mm-hmm. That is super healthy and it sounds good. And I would, I... I'm trying to add more salads into my diet, but I, I don't know. I often have a salad for dinner. We do mm. this like really awesome cob salad thing. So Ooh. anyway, I have been packing carrots and snap peas since snap peas are in season with this vegan ranch dressing I made. Um, 
when I had friends over for dinner and that's super good and peanut butter or hummus would work too. So anyway, since we're talking about breakfast and lunch, when I forget snacks, I get really hangry. I, I'm like not fun to be around. So it makes me grumpy and it honestly ruins my afternoon. So I always have to have a snack around like 2 p.m. or usually 3 p.m. So Sari, do you eat an afternoon snack and have you ever forgotten yours? I, I don't pack any extra snacks besides what I mentioned. But if people give me something, maybe something from the break room or a gift of some chocolate, um, that two to three o'clock time for sure is when I can't resist anymore and I will eat it. I don't know. I think everyone should have a piece of chocolate at 3 p.m. <laughs> like, I think the world would be a better place. Three o'clock chocolate time. Yeah. Like right before <laughs> your IEP meeting, it would be like chocolate time. Yeah. So I, I think you should pack chocolate. So that's. That's my opinion. Okay. So, and then for snacks, like easy is the name of the game. So I used to make them really complicated. <laughs> it was kind of stressful. So like kind of what Sarah's saying, like fruit, some nuts. Um, and then I do pack more than I think I'll eat because I get cranky uh, when I'm hungry. So, and, but you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh, if I pack too much, I'll just eat it all. Like you do you. Yeah. And, uh, what you do for your lunch or your breakfast routine, really make it a part of your routine, however that looks for you. You know, put reminders on your cell phone to meal prep each night if you need to. Fully plan or chart out your meals if that's what works for you. Stick a post-it note on your pillow so you don't go to bed till you've prepped your meals if that's what works for you. But give yourself those little nudges that you need if you want to make meal prepping a priority and need some help sticking to the plan. Find a way to make it a natural part of your day. So I'm making it public. I'm going to try to get more consistent with packing my food the night before, and I will report back later. And for now, we've got our topic of the day coming up. And next up, we're going to talk about friend divorce. So what is it and how can it affect your happiness? So let's get to it. I'm surprisingly nervous for this segment because we are getting personal. (laughs) We are, but we're doing it because we think it will help a lot of people. I agree. So what is friend divorce? So it's when you break up with a friend or you have a friend breakup. So I wanted to talk about this topic because it's so important. Mm -hmm. A friend breakup can be honestly just as traumatic as a relationship or dating breakup, and it can cause a lot of stress and overwhelm and difficulties in your life, in work and outside of work. So it's not a topic I've heard discussed a lot, So, and I think it's an important one. So true. And to be clear, we're not talking about having friends who get divorced. Nope. We're talking about having friends and then needing to be separated from those friends in your own life. Yes, it really is a friend breakup. So, Sari, have you had a friend breakup? Yes, and it is really tough to deal with these situations. Mm -hmm. I've had one especially traumatic friend breakup, and it was a long-term friend, and she and I just couldn't see eye to eye. So she and I interpreted the same events differently. So... I felt judged because of that, and I think she felt unsupported and to some degree abandoned. So we had to leave it unresolved. 
And you know, it got really bad. So when I saw an email or a call from her, my heart would race and we had some mutual friends. So when I went to a social event she'd be at, I honestly would get so nervous. Mm. I would feel like throwing up. So I did get better over time, but it was really hard for a while. And I had to work through a lot. And, you know, I did avoid some social situations during that time just to give myself a break from feeling terrible. That's tough, especially because she was such a long-term friend and so ingrained within your friend group. Uh, So what did you do? You know, I just gave it time and I realized that continuing to work through this verbally wouldn't be fruitful. Mm. It would just make us both really sad. We had different perspectives on the same situation and talking about it just wasn't helping. So uh, we realized, you know, or I realized, you know, we aren't going to see eye to eye. So how can we move forward from that? Right. Sometimes you really just aren't able to work things out. The same as in romantic relationships that you need to end. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, those feelings that I was talking about lasted a long time. I, it was, you know, maybe a year and because we'd been friends for a long time and it took a long time to process. So it was a hard time. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that was hard for me is I felt so stuck in this idea that it, that one of us had to be right and the other person had to be wrong. Mm. And so I would really ruminate on the topic and think about it over and over. And I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. So coming out of that space and being out of that space, I did want to share some things I learned from a really emotional friend breakup. And, you know, my hope here is that it can help others since, again, I haven't heard much about this topic from others. So at the time, I felt pretty isolated about it. You know, I haven't heard very much talk about this either, though I'm sure everyone has had a friend breakup experience at some point in their lives. So what's the advice? You know, first, accept that one person doesn't have to be right and the other person doesn't have to be wrong. Ooh, good tip, but a lot easier said than done. Yeah, try to hold both perspectives at the same time. So instead of but, try and. For example, instead of this person is wrong and I'm right, again, that goes with my previous one to hold both perspectives, one in each hand. Um, You could say, you know, I think this and my friend thinks this, Hmm. right? Just flipping that perspective. So, you know, an example is I wasn't able to fully support that person and I was going through a difficult time and did my best, but we'll be on the lookout for ways to support that person in the future. So that's just an example I came up with. Hmm. So if we make one person right and the other person wrong, we get into this thinking loop that's repetitive and really unhelpful. And, you know, you can even tend to replay events over and over in your mind. You are so right. That black and white thinking can be toxic and it won't resolve the situation. You'll just keep feeding into that loop. Any other tips? You know, ask yourself and decide if you want to continue a friendship with this person Mm. and take your time deciding. You may not know yet when things are still fresh. And you can ask, what are my needs in this friendship? And can that other person meet those needs? So, for example, if you need to have trust and a friend constantly lies to you, they cannot fulfill your need Mm -hmm. for trust. If you have a need for clear communication, but someone shuts down when you talk to them and won't revisit the topic, they are not fulfilling your need either. By the way, these are all, you know, examples I'm making up with on the spot, but I hope they're helpful. I, I think they're definitely helpful. Some SLPs 
that I think actually may especially relate here are our grad school listeners. Um, When I started graduate school, I had many friends who had a hard time adjusting to the fact that I couldn't see them as much. I couldn't join in things as much. And some of my friendships were really strained by that. But others were made stronger. And so this is definitely helpful and a conversation that I honestly haven't heard discussed a lot before. Yeah, grad school and right after that time is, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when a lot of friend breakups are common. But also just in your young or, you know, young-ish adult life, I'd say mainly, you know, forgive yourself when you feel bad because it's a part of the process. And that's something I know now that I wish I'd known then. Absolutely. Forgive yourself. Try to forgive your friend and move on with your life, focusing on friends that are good and healthy for you. The ones that bring the joy, the fun, and support your life the way friends should. That's excellent advice, which leads us into our next segment, SLP Wisdom. We are going to discuss a piece of advice that has helped us in our work or out-of-work lives. This episode something I learned from the book called Living Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, Ph.D., something I want to share with you. And I recently finished the book and I I learned a lot of tips from the book, but there's one here that ties into our conversation about friends or for that matter, colleagues or family, anyone you're communicating with. So it's when you feel frustration or anger or resentful towards a person, you ask yourself two questions. First, what is the need that I have that is not getting met now? And second, can this other person fulfill this need? Hmm. So as an example, I often feel resentful in long meetings, especially when I feel like things are rambling or it's ineffective. And I feel like people really aren't respecting my time when they say that we're going to end a meeting at a certain time and it goes longer or when there's a clearly outlined agenda, but no one's following it. Hmm. And I feel just itchy and like I want to get out of there. I'm nodding along with you because I've definitely been there. So now how do you use these tips to resolve this type of situation? Yeah, I haven't tried all these, but to use those techniques for these situations, you might say something like, excuse me, but I'm feeling like we've gotten off the agenda and I'm wondering what we want the outcome of this discussion to be and if we're moving forward in a way that will accomplish that agenda. I think that one's kind of vague, but here's one that I have had to use in IEPs. Um, I'm noticing that it's... 3.30 or 4.30 or 5.30, Mm -hmm. which is the time we all agreed we'd end this meeting. I'm feeling the need to move on since I do have other things scheduled and I know the rest of us do too and need to get back to other duties. Have we accomplished what we set out to with this meeting? And if not, shall we schedule a meet back time together? So the aim here is not to use judging language. So you don't, you know, like don't make people feel like they're talking too much or like they're getting off topic, but Mm -hmm. use I statements and state your needs and what you would like to see happen and just ask. Uh, So for the staff meeting example, for what it's worth, I, I often don't say anything. I just sit through those meetings, but, um, and you know, I don't feel like whole staff meetings often are very effective anyway. And it just feels like people are herding cats, you know, and everyone is getting (laughs) off topic and it's hard to keep that many people on the same topic. So I just let that one go. 
And for a personal example, um, you know how when a group gets together and then they go to dinner and then you sit down and no one looks at the menu. Everyone just talks to each other. So <laughs> that's usually fine. But lately I had a really tight schedule and I was in this situation. No one had even opened their menu and I needed to go soon. So I said, excuse me, but I'm noticing the time and I have another appointment. So I'm wondering if everyone should look at the menu all at once and we should order together or if I should just order an appetizer and get going. So, Sari, have you tried this one before? And what's a personal or professional example you can think of? Oh, yes. I am a big fan of leading with I statements. I can take the brunt of things onto myself. No problem if it will resolve a situation. I've used something like this uh, in meetings uh, by saying, for example, I'm sorry to interject, but I have another meeting to attend. I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page and I've been taking notes. And the way I'm understanding it is that our goal will be to focus on exposing the student to more typically developing peers. And here's our ideas to try. Something like that. Um, You know, maybe I would check, does this adequately cover our discussion? But I'd put it on me. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. So that's your self-care challenge. State your needs and see if the other person can fulfill them. In a more serious situation like a friend or a family member breakup where we have to distance ourselves from others, that may mean realizing for the first time that person cannot fulfill our desires and we need to love them from afar Mm. only. So for less serious situations, it means using words to describe how we're feeling the next time we're feeling that little twinge of emotion when we aren't getting our needs met. So will we always get our needs met? Absolutely not, but your challenge here is to choose one situation this week where we're going to try it out. Next up, we have a podcast review, so I wanted to share that. Sari picks a podcast review every episode or so, and this episode we are sharing a podcast review from Sarah. All right, so Sarah said, I appreciate... Sarah and Sari's insight, honesty and humor in this multifaceted podcast made by and for multifaceted SLPs. I highly recommend this to all SLP students who want a realistic view of a profession. Thank you, Sarah, for your review. We really appreciate it. And if you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, and maybe yours will be chosen next episode. And that concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour, and we hope this episode was fun and helpful. Before we close up, just a few announcements. First up, we have some pretty cool stuff coming out in our newsletter soon, including different interviews about work settings and a self-care interview about how to avoid the Sunday blues. And these conversations are only available to our newsletter subscribers. And you can find the sign-up form on the homepage of our website at slphappyhour.com. Second, our SLP Happy Hour sticker shop is now open. These are stickers made for SLPs or special educators that focus on self-care. The stickers are sturdy enough to go on your travel mug and be run through the dishwasher or to be put on a planner that's going to get beat up at the bottom of your bag. And plus, the designs are pretty cute. So you can find them at slphappyhour.com shop. 
And now back to you, you super great SLPU. Wherever you are in your SLP journey, we hope you feel more connected and empowered by listening today. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected to each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Let's navigate through these thorny issues together. And as we do, remember you already know what you need to know to be an awesome SLP. Remember, you can help us out by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, telling a friend, and subscribing to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time.